Hello and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Katie Freeman, and every week we bring you interviews with makers and artists of all kinds from all over the world that identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. This week's guest is Monique Livingston of Mama Root Woodworking. Monique is a mom and wife and creates beautiful pieces of uh, art and woodwork from her home in Utica, yeah, Utica, uh, New York. Um, She started with different um, types of crafts, making jewelry and um, doing crystal work, and now um, makes boards, lots of different types of boards um, with wood and resin works. to kind of feed into her first love of food and the, the layout of food. So um, great conversation with Monique and getting to learn more about her and her business and um, the vision she has for the future. Before hopping into the conversation with Monique, I wanna give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Matthew from Artigiano Serio. Candice, CJ Woodgrain, Lee, Lee Runyon, Annette, 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin, Lefty's Woodshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel, Moody Makes, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Brandy, Studio, Obey, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support for the podcast, making it happen every week. In fact, if you are enjoying the podcast and would like to join this list of supporters, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting revolution and check it out. All right, let's head on into the conversation with Monique. Let's do it. All right. Well, Monique, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yes, my name is Monique Livingston. I'm an artist and owner of Mamaru in Utica, New York. Awesome. Um, and I know I've told you this like through DMs, but I absolutely love your your logo for Mamaru. It's like my one of my favorites. Um, no. Yeah, you're welcome. So I want to, before maybe, you know, talking more about like what you do with Mama Root, I want to kind of take a step back and ask about the bigger story of Monique. Like, where did you grow up? And, you know, what's, what were you interested in as a kid? Those kinds of things. Okay, so I grew up in Utica, New York. So it's in central New York, about 45 minutes away from Syracuse, if you're familiar with New York State. Um, So I grew up in a poverty stricken area. Um, There wasn't a lot of like resources available like for me growing up. Um, I kind of have like a really dark and traumatic childhood, but um, I was always able to like make something out of nothing. So I learned that at a very young age, being the oldest of four siblings, um, I learned how to take care of things and make things presentable and kind of 
just create a safe space for us. So um, I would say that like a lot of my interests are goes towards like people who are in poverty stricken areas, teach them how to take care of themselves and their mental health, um, especially when those resources really aren't available for people in like poverty stricken areas to kind of um, find like a craft um, that they can find refuge in. Okay. Um, I want to ask a little bit to um, with it being kind of a poverty stricken area, was it also or I guess I'll just ask like the kind of the demographics of the area. Is it largely a population of, you know, people of color or is it kind of all um, ethnicities? What's kind of the, the mix up? So I would say Utica, New York is definitely a melting pot of a lot of different um, nationalities. It's a beautiful place to live. Um, we have like Italian, Polish, um, Myanmar, Vietnamese, which is, um, you know, my background, uh, Ghanaian, Nigerian, uh, a large Spanish population, Puerto Rican, Dominican, um, a lot of different backgrounds. So there's a lot of um, people that come in, a lot of refugees, a lot of immigrants, um, and the areas that you know, that I grew up in, they weren't really like the best areas to grow up in, but the people made it feel like a close-knit home and that's something I'm really thankful for. Mm -hmm. um, once you kind of got through, you know, high school, what, where'd you go after that? So when I was out of high school, I was really kind of like confused. Um, because, uh, you know, like I didn't have a lot. I was really naive and really ignorant, like to like my cultures. My mom was adopted from Vietnam. Um, so she grew up with a German American family. And my father, um, like he had some things that he was struggling with at the time. So it kind of made it hard for me to really like find who I was, create who I was. And so I was just told to kind of like, oh, go into nursing because it's a good field, you know, to go and you make a lot of money. But with my background, I knew that I was always good with my hands. I was a fantastic artist. I didn't notice my talent, but a lot of teachers and school officials would always nominate me to like do murals for the academies. Um, I would win like a lot of awards for like drawing and art. Um, but I still ended up pursuing nursing because that's what like my family wanted me to do. And I got sick and tired of doing it because I <laughs> didn't really like enjoy um, taking care of people, especially like being a young child and having to take care of a family at such a young age. I wanted to take care of myself. So it wasn't until I was about like 16 years old or actually it wasn't until I was about like 18 or 19 years old where I just said, I'm gonna try giving graphic design a try because it's pretty cool. It's what I'm interested in. I wanted to learn like the programs, um, you know, like the Illustrator and mm -hmm. Adobe programs and such. Um, I 
didn't like that because I didn't get to use my hands as much. So I then went into fine arts. And so I graduated with my associates in fine arts in 2020. Um, and yeah, that was after like 10 years of not going to school because I, you know, there's a time where I didn't go to school because I had children, I had three kids. Um, kind of like found my own purpose in life and decided that I was going to go back to school, go back to school for fine arts and then figure out what I was going to create from there. Okay. Um, I can relate as now I'm going back to school for grad school and having kids and I'm like, what was I thinking? But anyways, <laughs> um, it's a, it's a serious deal to go to school and have a family at home. Um, I want to spend maybe just a little bit of time asking you about that. Like, what was that experience of going through getting your degree and, um, you know, still managing stuff at home and kids and all that stuff? Oh, man, it was so stressful. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, there is plenty of times where I felt like I wanted to quit. And I doubted myself, you know, so many times and had horrible intrusive thoughts. And I really have, you know, until this day, I still kind of like have to defeat those little inner demons inside of me, like, you're not good enough, you can't do it, that sort of thing. But um during COVID, um, that's, you know, when I was going back to school and pursuing my degree, uh, we got sick with COVID and ended up getting COVID and we had family members and friends that passed away from COVID. So it was a very dark time for us um, as a family, as a unit, but I have a very supportive husband. Um, he was the only one that was, you know, like working and employed at the time. And he understood the importance of me pursuing my dreams and my goals. And like, I'm very thankful for him um, because he really held it down, like with the kids and making dinners and, um, you know, household cleaning and going to work while I was trying to get my head straight and, um, like just finding where my niche was in the creative process because like like as I stated before I thought when after crafting um and creating things um as like a source of therapy mm -hmm. um well I'm sorry to hear about um, the losses that you had um yeah I'm just I'll leave it, I'll leave it at that. Um, and also though, I want to do, I want to say like, I think that's super important to have, you know, a supportive partner, like during times, like big life changes. Um, I, I would say the same with, with my wife, like she's been amazing, just taking care of everything else <laughs> that I can't take care of anymore. Um, and that's definitely a huge, a huge thing. Um, when you say fine arts, right, was your, what you said was your degree, was there like a specific um, type of art uh, that you specialized in during, you know, that you graduated with? 
Well, no, but like the mediums that I felt like I appreciated the most was charcoal, graphite, um, uh, mediums that were easily manipulated with my hands or like with kind of like environmental factors. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how does or did Mama Root come about? Oh, me and my husband were sitting down and thinking, and I knew that I wanted to create a business um, off of, like, based off of, like, food. So, like, I tried to open a business with food um, initially um, called the, I'm sorry, no. uh, like, a, like with food and kind of like making different things that were more eclectic to the palate. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of tired of placing all my stuff on a paper plate or like a regular dish all the time. And so like I went to our local restaurant equipment store and started looking for um, cutting boards and different like wood boards to place them on. And I wasn't able to really find anything that really stood out to me. But I would see like these really intricate pieces of wood online where there were like live edge slabs and there would be like food and stuff placed onto it. So um, I'm a root came about because I'm a mom and that takes like first precedence in my life. And then the root has to deal with like the deeper meaning of things. So like for me, I'm very, um, like I have a profound attachment to food, nature, um, life in general. Uh, so, and also like dissolving issues at hand. So getting to like to the root of the problem. So doing like a kind of like a large mind map of things, we decided to name the business Mama Root. And um, I started out by just making jewelry at first because that's what I had on hand and I saved up all the money that I made from making jewelry and selling crystals and was able to buy like my first power tool, which was a sander. So um, I would, they have like this thing called garbage days. <laughs> Shared this. <laughs> garbage days in New York where people in the city, like on certain days, they would throw out their garbage and it would be like, furniture, wood pieces, you know, like anything, you name it, garbage and stuff. Um, I would take like wood pieces or like wood furniture that seems to be like, seem to have like a little bit more life to it. And, you know, just like sand it down and put a new coat of either like paint or oil over it. And it would be a piece that was added into my home. So like from there, I would just like start taking those pieces and selling them to like close friends and family. And then I would buy another power tool. I would sell crystals and <laughs> my bracelets and jewelry. And I would buy another power tool just to kind of get to where I wanted. So I would say like now my tool collection is pretty <laughs> developed, it's developing. I'm learning a lot about like different tools, the cellular level of wood, the wood material and kind of like understanding like what I'm working with and um, just getting my hands in. I don't really have any like background with woodworking. So I'm kind of just like all figuring it out as I go, but I know it's a really 
like it's a passion of mine to work with it. It's definitely an interesting material. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and don't say you can't believe you're admitting that because we have same thing uh, in the Midwest and um, it's like a thing, you know, people drive around and like look at everybody else's stuff out on the curb and and grab it and so sometimes I'm one of the people driving around and sometimes I'm more just sitting on the front porch watching who's coming by and going <laughs> um, it's fun people watching I'll put it that way um but yeah you can find some actually really interesting pieces that way or um I actually like to think of it as I'm saving something from going to the landfill which is something that you know I'm passionate about as well like just the trying to save the planet one piece at a time if I can um, but so I find it interesting and and you know I see now like you make the the boards and the and the food like do you feel like those are still both big pieces of like your business now or do you feel like your focus is going more towards um, like the woodworking side of things? It's hard to say because they're both like needed elements in life. You know, like the woodworking is something that I go to for therapy, but also food is my therapy. So <laughs> I like to like create and eat you know like eat with my eyes look with you know and see like appeal and everything mm -hmm. um there's like a vietnamese proverb that says um when eating the fruit remember the person who planted the tree so like i tend to always think about like the tree that you know um bear the fruit or you know the vegetable or you know whatever vegetation comes forth so right now it's hard to kind of like combine the two and say hey mama root woodworking is just woodworking because i have such like a deep attachment to feeding my family and putting food on the board and um it's it's woodworking, but also it's like live edge dining entertainment so i would say like i make things that you would entertain and host your family with and I would say that is definitely a level of like self-care rather than just putting your food on a paper plate mm -hmm. um some days those days are necessary where you <laughs> just had it you don't even don't get me wrong but there's just the aesthetic you know when you have those days where hey I'm just gonna really like take care of myself or um I just really want to play food intricately on a board and see the happiness that comes from my family and that's that's where I'm heading. So I don't think that I'm going to just like look into the woodworking part of it. I think that it's definitely just a vibe. So like the wood products um, is definitely something that I'm going to promote. Um, but as far as like the food service, it's something that I'm still kind of like wavering on. So I feel like there's like a theme kind of running here of like this just gathering around and kind of creating a space and I'm just curious like is that something that comes from like 
familial connection and like how you grew up like was that a thing to kind of like have that space for family to gather or for you know neighborhood to gather type thing well um like when I was growing up we had a hard time actually like um like getting food like so like the only times I would really eat was like in school um so like I just learned over time that there are other things out there and I wanted to explore because I found like my imagination would run wild with all these different color like fruits and vegetables and like when I tried them and saw them or like when we would talk to different um people in the community from, you know, various backgrounds, they all had like these different ways of celebrating their culture and celebrating themselves and families and it was all through food. Mm -hmm. So I would say that for me, the familiarity of woodworking would be like, this is like, this is kind of like the foundation. Mm -hmm. And then everything on top of it is like things that we have cultivated. So adding different things on there is different variety. Um, it helps to like expand my senses and also my perspective on things. Yeah. Um, I didn't, uh, I was thinking on kind of the whole food scarcity kind of aspect and um, were you also what where you grew up was it a bit of a food desert as well like as far as grocery stores and all of that kind of stuff was it harder to have access to it no actually Utica is like known for like the food here there are so many different people that have blessed hands with cooking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's hard to choose from and it's easy to still like, you know, now that, you know, we're kind of, we're definitely better off, you know, mm -hmm. in a better place, like financially. So we're able to like explore different options, but um, yeah, Utica is food city. <laughs> best pizza, best pasta, um, a lot of different like cuisines here. It's, it's magnificent. Sounds like a place to visit. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of food. Um, <laughs> what is the what is the direction you hope to take the pairing of woodworking and food? Well, uh, I'm actually thinking about like um like catering mm. so I think that that would be like my best option so that I could still do my woodworking and my crafting and provide like the aesthetic of you know like a full table layout of food and be able to um prepare it and put it on the table myself for guests to swoon over mm -hmm. so I would say like catering would probably be my best spot as far as like on the go, that sort of thing, um, like working on like my website and inventory so that people can just buy the boards themselves if they already like know how to 
prepare a board or if they dislike it or if they just want to support then obviously it'll just be there but i i would say like the service part of it you know like you said like i was like wavering on it um like that's always going to be a part of me to want to feed people around me so i feel like the best thing for me to do is just to be true to like my nature and my calling and even though it doesn't really make sense right now, I have to just keep on like going to see where it brings me because like I came this far already. So um, we'll just see where my business brings us really. Mm-hmm. That's interesting when you said like just having the, the board available. Do you mean like just the raw board and if somebody has the skill to uh, finish it or you know um, complete it they can do that just through your website as a source uh, well I was like more or less like finished boards okay like uh, like finished boards or at least like you know um, something that's been planed and mm-hmm. sanded and then you know they can create out of it themselves because we definitely have like a large source of wood here. Um, it's it's beautiful. Like a lot of the, I would say woodworkers here are definitely like more experienced than I am. But I try not to like compare myself to the experience because you know that could definitely be a little bit discouraging. So I try to like look at my passion instead and like where I have my passions and what I'm passionate about because it's always brought a lot of things to me when I think positive and think you know okay yeah I've got this or like you know if I put my mind to it or if I see it in my mind's eye and as long as I have like the tools in my hand I can emulate it pretty closely or just create whatever and people end up liking it so I think we just you know they say we're all our own worst critics so (laughs) I think um, like you kind of hit on a um, on a point like something that I've been thinking about a lot as well like we have in the Midwest we have like a lot of you know the more common hardwoods like walnut and cherry and and oak and everything Um, and we have lots of like smaller kind of family owned and run like sawmills but the disconnect is like unless you have a fully functioning like shop with like all of the really cool tools like going to those sawmills um doesn't really help a beginner right like a beginner only might have like you talked about might only have like a sander and like maybe a circular saw or something like that like not a lot of tools And so even if they want to do something with a hardwood versus like construction lumber, like they're almost discouraged from the start because they don't have all the tools to like get it to a place to like actually do something with it. So I've, I've been thinking a lot about that recently of, you know, my tools are growing as well. And now I could get to a place of maybe becoming a source for somebody who's a beginner and wants to buy, you know, 
a, a piece of hardwood that's like flat and square and they can do something with it um being becoming maybe that like middle ground and perhaps um offering that as like a service too you know for people who get rough lumber like having a place they can come to to get it ready to go type thing exactly exactly yeah, I, I ran into like a lot of those obstacles, like kind of finding my way around this craft is like, I would find these logs of wood because everybody would throw like their logs of wood on the curb of the street. But I'm like, well, I can't just, you know, like, I can't make this into a slab unless I have like a milling machine or a chainsaw or something. Yeah. And it's always so hard to try to find like, um, you know, someone who has one where it's like you could transport it. Yeah. So it's not a convenient thing, but I think that that is a, a beautiful way to like encourage people to get into their craft is by, well, maybe the, you know, like we don't have available resources all the way, but here's like a starting point mm -hmm. that you can like go from. I mean, honestly, that's one of the reasons like one of the um, kind of inception points of why I got into power carving was because I didn't have the machinery to break down wood and the most economical, economically viable type of wood to get is generally logs. Cause like you said, either people are just tossing them out on the corner or, you know, you can get them for very cheap, usually under like firewood or something. So it's like, well, what do I do with this round thing <laughs> if I can't cut it down into a slab? And so that's, you know, really a lot of the reason for starting with, with power carving is like, what type of material do I have access to? And then what tools do I own that I can use to actually create a finished product? Um, and at the time I had angle grinders. So the, the two married up, <laughs> ended up creating power carving. Um, but that's not always, that's also not necessarily the cheapest thing to get into either. So yeah, I think there's definitely room in this space in this craft to acknowledge that people might want to get started and not have all the things or not have access to all of the things. Um, and so those of us who have uh, the, the skill and the tools to get us there could perhaps create stuff um, as a as a stepping stone. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's another thing is it's like it's really hard as like someone coming out of like, you know, poverty, um like saving money towards a business when you really need the money to take care of your family. So like it's been, you know, like thankful for my husband for really supporting and holding it down because like he really, it took him like really trusting like my abilities and my skills and, you know, like seeing the potential and seeing all of, you know, the abilities that can come from, you know, whatever I put my mind to. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I mean, I'm really thankful to be where I'm at right now. And, um, you know, I don't post on social media as much because social media is definitely like the bane of my existence. 
I just need that balance, you know, like where I'm kind of like in my own little world. And like whenever I have a camera over my shoulder, it's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, so um, like I'm still learning how to be more natural in front of the camera and like sharing my passion with the world because like I feel like there's a lot of people who are not pursuing their passions and not pursuing their crafts because of being in a similar circumstance. And um, I just want to be able to share like that is, you know, that, you know, these are all the different ways that you can come up out of it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'll, I'll pause to give you like one tip that might work with the camera and that is to act as if it's either your best friend or your partner and you're just sharing about what you're doing with them like that really helped me get more comfortable with the idea of you know basically talking to nobody um because I don't know yeah (laughs) um I was gonna ask when you in your past did you have any examples of people running their own business to draw off of um or I mean yeah I'll start with that question (laughs) yeah um so my father actually um was in like the antiquing business for a little while and we would do these things called estimates and cleanouts that <laughs> kind of like goes into like the traumatic experience because a lot of these things from people's homes would make their way into our our living space, and so it was always like crowded, dark, and dingy. You know, so uh, so um, like that goes into the part of me always making something out of nothing. You know, like so, you know. I, I compare it to like a game of Tetris, like learning how to stack boxes and stack things like against the wall, you know, so that it's not like completely like chaotic, but um, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, a little bit more, um, I guess, like, you know, aesthetic, like the aesthetic of keeping that space or like having it against the wall, but like not in your way, not in your space. Yeah. What's been then like the scariest thing and the best thing about creating your own business? The scariest thing I would say is the consistency. Being consistent is probably like the scariest thing for me because um, like the way I think I kind of like just do things as I feel like, you know, I just have to have those creative spurts to like fully function with the balance of like my mental health and caring for a family and, you know, momming things. And, you know, we have a cat too, and my husband and being like the chauffeur and take, you know, doing everything else, like taking care of all the other like responsibilities around our home. So the consistency for me with maintaining a business would be like the, the scariest thing. Um, The hardest thing for um, me so far um, is getting over like the thoughts that I'm not good enough. Um, So it's like a lot of inner work as well and and learning how to express it in a way where other people understand or don't think that I'm a complete lunatic. (laughs) What's the, uh, what's been the best part of it? 
the best part is bringing like a smile to my children's face and like hearing them like um like they're very proud of like my progress and like our family we're very like open with communication so like we communicate things like exactly how you know it is like whatever someone's thinking we just like kind of like voice what's in our head that sort of thing and they also know like you know like my struggles with um certain things so like they're very supportive so i would say like the best thing that comes from it is like seeing that within my children like they want to be creators as well and they also have like really strong artistic abilities like my son is just started he just turned 13 so he is like interested in doing like you know learning how to measure learning how to cut different woods uh, learning how to do things some handheld tools and my youngest son is seven and he just like started using a drill for the first time my daughter is using a hammer and nails and learning how to like follow instructions and piece together things that you know go together so that would be like the best part is seeing them like take interest in like a craft and it doesn't necessarily have to be the craft that I'm in but seeing them like take interest in it and like have like oh mom you should do this for your social media or you should do that for your social media or like um you know like that's probably the best part in it all yeah I I my oldest ends up being kind of a mini uh, social media manager as well <laughs> you know he'll he'll critique my videos and stuff and either tell me if they're cringy or not though i only take that with a grain of salt <laughs> you know, i can be so cringy sometimes but i'm like you know what i just gotta get over this because like even just listening to the sound of my own voice makes me want to cringe sometimes but I definitely understand because you know what, and people might be shocked to hear this, like, um, I don't listen to my own podcast episodes, um, <laughs> like, because I just don't want to hear my own voice. So, like, in editing, I always make note, like, during the time, like, oh, there's going to be points, like, around here that I need to go back and take out, you know, like, as my daughter keeps interrupting me, um, <laughs> those type of things that I'll have to cut out. Um, but I'm more focused usually on like what the guest is saying during editing, but I don't listen to the whole thing because I can't listen to my voice. I still, I always, I'm like, I sound like a 12 year old. So I can't, I just can't do it. <laughs> so I'm with you there. Um, I'm also with you like, I think sharing it with my kids is like one of like the best parts, not only like them getting to see like all the things that people are just capable of doing, right? Like whether it's woodworking or sketching or whatever, like just all the things that are out there as possibilities. Um, but then also like, it seems to naturally give them permission to just be creative, to just go and do things. Um, though I'm learning to have to start setting boundaries as they continue to just go out in the shop and take things off of my workbench without asking me. But they found the mica powder in my kid's room because they're using it for slime. I'm like, no, they have to, I'm using it for my epoxy resin. Yes. <laughs> 
so I'm like, okay, whatever. At least you guys are taking interest in something. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I just had that conversation like 20 minutes ago. Please, if it's on my bench, come ask me before you take it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, like, I know, like, compared to my childhood, I do wish I would have had that, like, exposure, I guess, then. Um, I feel like I probably would have gotten a earlier start on doing all of this if I had been exposed as a kid. So I just think it's, um, it's one of my favorite things to get to do with them for sure. Do you think, um, like kind of on the kids aspect, besides the creativity that they get to see, like, have you had conversations or interactions around just like the amount of work that does have to go into it like it's not it's all fun to a degree but there's still like an, an immense amount of work that you're always at least I find myself it's like if I'm not actively working on something like I'm still thinking about it in the back of my head or whatever um like it my brain never shuts off when it comes to that kind of stuff so do you find yourself in conversations around that kind of stuff with your kids? Yeah, all the time. I think they experience it because like sometimes they'll talk to me and it's like, you know, that automatic yeah. kind of like response comes on, you know, I'm not really actively listening to them at the time, but um, like, they'll be like, Mom. like, they'll know that I'm not all the way there and they'll be like, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and um. Yeah, so it's the same thing. Like they know that there's a lot of paperwork and taxes and like legal stuff and mm -hmm. like organizing. The organization is like the biggest part for me with productivity. So mm -hmm. in order for me to be productive, like the whole house basically like for me has to be organized or I'm thinking about the dishes that need to be done in the back of my head or <laughs> dresser that needs to be thrown away yeah. or you know what I mean yeah. so, <laughs> things that you think that okay like it's not that really it's not that important but like for me when I get done with woodworking usually I come up and like you know I take a shower and I prepare dinner right away so like if there's dishes in the sink I'm like oh that's one more obstacle that's in my way to get food on the table so it's like a it's like you know, it's kind of like an endless cycle, but um, some, I'm very like thankful to have my family and yeah. like, they're very patient and like, they understand like all the work that goes into like owning a business and like promoting a business. And I'm really glad to have them like try to encourage me or like to take different aspects from my business and try to like, you know, um be innovative with my business yeah that does I think I didn't realize before I started my business how much having your own business is actually a family business because even if they're not like actively involved in like doing things specifically for the business it's like they're having to understand like oh you might have to wait 30 minutes for something while I go do something, or you might have to have extra chores this week because 
I don't have the time to get it done and we work as a family. Um, you know, that kind of stuff, I think um, I was naive about, I guess, when I first started the business and understanding, I, I felt like, oh, it's just me, I can do it all. But no, the realization is can't. <laughs> right. Right. But I think it's a learning experience. Like we all figure out, especially like as women, like I feel like that's a natural part of us to kind of just like figure it out. And so things just tend to like fall in line and go with the flow. Like, especially like in our household, the kids are like, you know, I'll get an attitude and like <laughs> you know, they gotta pick up extra chores and stuff like that. But when they see the reward, like oh my gosh, look how many boards mom sold, you know, like, they're like, yeah, we're rich, you know, I'm like, no, but they're proud to see that, you know, we're able to take something that we have, that we work with our own hands, that's in our own possession, and to create it in a way where someone else is interested in it, and they want to have it and bring it into their home, so that's, you know, um, I'm thankful that like the, my kids kind of like look at that part of it, you know, and they're like very grateful for um, anything that comes out of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're growing, you know, they're all like getting into those teenage years and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. they're really good kids and very patient with this entire process. <laughs> I have to just keep telling myself they will be better off because of it <laughs> sometimes. <but. laughs> yeah. I mean, they really will be. Uh, though they complain right now, but <laughs> I think that's just their job as little human beings is to complain about everything. Um, what... I want to just spend a little bit of time talking about your actual like workshop space. So where do you get to have your workshop space? Oh, good question. So we live in an apartment and the apartment has six other tenants that live in the, you know, the residential building. Mm -hmm. And my landlord allows me to utilize the space in the basement for my workshop. And I'm very thankful because we've developed a friendship, you know, like I do little things like around the yard and around the property just to like keep up, you know, adding to my list and things yeah. that I have to do <laughs> in order for me to do like something that I really want to do. So it's a small sacrifice and well, I would say more or less a compromise that I make on my end in order to utilize the basement space. And uh, right now, like the biggest part of working in my basement is proper ventilation and like dust collection. So I haven't, like, I just got all these tools. Now, like I have to have some place to put the saws and sawdust, you know what I mean? It's all the wood chips and stuff. Um, so like, if it's nice outside in the summer, like in the spring and summer, I'll usually just like work in the backyard on top of asphalt um, and just hit it with like a, um, not a wind blower. What is it called? The leaf blower. The leaf blower. <laughs> the leaf blower and like all the wood chips will go kind of like in the forested area behind our yard. Um, but like in the basement, I have to wipe things down, use a shop vac, you know, um, bag it up the right way and then like throw it in the garbage and stuff like that. So, Yeah. It's a process, but I'm glad that I'm able to do what I want to do. And mm -hmm. it takes a little bit longer, but eventually I'll get there. Mm -hmm. 
so given the space, how do you keep it so you don't run out of space um, as you're working and creating? I have to organize and so like I keep um, I would say like raw woods in one area then planed and like ready to use wood in another area and then like all of my other boards um, like I either have shelving for them and like um, I have like a back room so my husband you know we have a three-bedroom apartment and um, in the back room I just basically keep all like my art stuff. So like it was like a catch all room, but then we like started like clearing everything out, like everything that I'm not crafting with anymore, like vinyl and everything that I use to kind of like get to where I'm at now, I just let go of it. So I donated it, I gave it away to people because it was just like excess material mm -hmm. stuff. So our back room, I utilize like that space for finished stuff or for finishing work because it has windows. So I could just open up the mm -hmm. windows that needs be okay do you so being where you're located I know you all have winters um mm -hmm. does that affect like the your shop space down in the basement yes I deal with like climate control and everything downstairs in my basement like all the time so right now the humidity is really high and it's really damp in the shop so like that's the importance of me like keeping it clean and keeping all the wood off of the ground because mm -hmm. you know it gets really damp down there but I have a dehumidifier down there um so it's going all the time and I try to keep it at like 70 percent just because when I'm working with epoxy crafts I need it to get a certain you know humidity level and uh, temperature down there mm -hmm. um but winters it's frigid cold <laughs> And, you know, it's more or less like my hands, which are like my most important tools. You know, I, I deal with like fibromyalgia and stuff like that. So my hands will just like ache the entire time while I'm crafting, but I still do it because I like it. Mm -hmm. I definitely, like I dealt with that for a long time, you know, just in our garage space, like it's not like insulated or um, anything like that. And then, so like in the winter time, it gets still down to like 35 or 40 degrees in the garage space, right? And so it's like, I can only bundle up so much. And then, but like you said, like my hands, I'm like, I have to leave them free so I can actually like do the work safely. Um, it was just this last winter that I was able to, um, like get a heater put in and that's been like a lifesaver to allow me to like keep working during yeah. the winter um you know and it's like I turn it like I keep it really low uh if I'm not actually out there working and then crank it up and give about a half hour before I go out there but um yeah that's been a lifesaver and just like this community, like I was able to buy that off of, you know, a maker from the Instagram community so that I didn't have to buy it brand new and spend all that expense on something brand new. So yeah, that's definitely a cool upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I just need air conditioning for the summer. <laughs> <Work on it. laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay, so we're getting close to the end of our time, and I want to make sure I give you a chance to let everyone know, like, where and how they can find you online and, and see what you're up to. So I would say right now, like the way to kind of like follow what I'm doing is on Instagram. I know I'm inconsistent right now, but I promise there's like a lot of organization that's going in like behind the scenes and a lot of changes that I want to make within myself. So um, like when it comes to presenting my brand, because I want people to definitely understand the energy and the vibe that I want my brand to, you know, like speak to them on. So like a lot of it is presentation, um, you know, organ organizing like the way I want to present like the wood and like different um, other like senses. Like, so I want to incorporate senses and obviously food and, and you know, like food and different, um, you know, sites like aesthetics and stuff are going to be incorporated into it. So Instagram, Mamaru Woodworking. And um, you can find me on Facebook, but <laughs> I understand that. Like, I don't, I don't post anything directly to Facebook anymore. Like, it's just not happening. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm trying. I'm just trying to like get everything organized because I just don't want to post something and then like I'm like, okay, I don't want to delete this later on because it's way too cringy or like. <laughs> Um, you know, um, I just want to prepare like for the future and take my time and whatever comes out of it. Um, like I want it to be something that leaves a lasting impression. Mm -hmm. And did you say you have a website? Don't have a website yet. I'm working on it. So probably within the next year, like realistically, I'll have um, a website up that is very solid and like gives like a detailed explanation of like what Mamaru is. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, thanks for chatting with me today. I really enjoyed, um, you know, our conversation and getting to meet you at least virtually. Yes, likewise. It's really nice to talk to you and in person as well. All right, so I will put the links on how you can follow along with Monique up on the show notes for today's episode. Best place to find that is in the description for the episode on your podcast app. Or if you happen to be watching this on the Freeman Furnishings YouTube channel, you can check the description box down below. Though going to be totally honest, I am playing a little bit of catch up with getting the videos up. Um, on YouTube, but there are plenty available from all of previous guests. Please follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. While there, you can say hello to your hosts, myself, Katie Freeman at Freeman Furnishings, and my co-host, Katie Thompson at Women of Woodworking. Big shout out and thanks to Ashley Minnie, who wrote and produced the theme song for the podcast. Thank you so much, Ashley. 
And uh, I have a request for you this week. If you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please consider going over to patreon.com forward slash crafting revolution to um, help support the podcast and keep it going. Any amount is helpful, even just a dollar a month. So please consider that and go check it out. Um, Or if you want to help support in another way, head on over to um, iTunes and leave us a five-star review. That is also extremely helpful. All right. So we will be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, let's go craft a revolution. She